the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. So in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. I am a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. And both of my great master's degrees in law were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, located in the currently mostly deserted streets of downtown San Francisco. Because of my training, my experience, Experiences and most importantly, my lifelong interests, I primarily practice bankruptcy, debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and taxation law. And I'm proud to say that as part of my practice, I sometimes have the opportunity to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that one can imagine. I am, as always, so pleased to be able to come to you again today, but from my makeshift studios in my home, located in the currently mostly deserted but still beautiful streets of Oakland, California, and I come to discuss some key financial and key legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. And I I do this uh, because it's of great interest to me. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to provide information uh, in this educational form, or at least exchange information from me to you that might be helpful as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully to provide you with an, at least an outline of some of the basic issues that you will need to help you find qualified professional help. And I do this because, as I'm known for saying, representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one dealing with your money, it's just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky and you get real close to your adversary, you might be able to scratch her on the arm or even poke her in the eye. But more than likely, because everyone else in the courtroom is going to be armed to the teeth, 
with the requisite substantive and procedural weapons that you don't have, you're likely going to be dead on arrival. And I don't mean you, your personage, but I mean your valid claims and your righteous defenses are likely going to see the promised land way before you do. So once again, I'm going to share you the purpose of Selwyn's Law. In case you haven't guessed it, it's to discuss the law related to your money and more often than not, the lack thereof and your overall finances and other key issues and what you may need to consider to protect your family and your and or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening form. You know, in our continuing quest for real information on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and how we can not only protect ourselves and our loved ones and our workmates and survive this menace, but also collectively figure out how we can thrive in this new hostile environment that we're facing every day. Today's topic is this, what are we going to do and what must we do to protect our mothers and grandmothers, our aunts, our sisters, our female cousins, our wives, our nieces, our daughters, and our granddaughters, some of whom, unbeknownst to us, are living in quiet desperation and shame in this the most wealthy nation on the earth as a direct result sometimes of our intended ignorance of the circumstances surrounding their existence. So, my source material today comes from two great articles that were published in the New York Times in Her Words newsletters that I subscribe to. And they were, in this particular newsletter, the New York Times focuses on issues that are key and of great import to women. Now, the first article is entitled, Violence in the Lockdown, and it was written by Alicia Haradasnani, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Gupta, and Aviva Stahl, and it was edited by Francesca Donner and Sophia Jones, who is the managing editor of the Fuller Project. And the second is entitled The Tampon Shortage, or Periods Don't Stop for Pandemics, and it was written by Emma Goldberg and edited by Francesca Donner and published in the New York Times on April 1, 2020. So let's begin. Now, Ms. Gupta and Ms. Stahls wrote in their piece early last week as the novel coronavirus exploded from state to state, a woman called the National Domestic Violence Hotline in crisis. Her partner had tried to strangle her and she needed medical help, but feared going to the hospital because of the virus. Another woman was being forced to choose between work and home. He threatened to throw me out if I didn't work from home, she said. He said that if I started coughing, he was going to throw me out into the streets and that I could die alone in a hospital room. In another 
calls a girl between the age of 13 and 15, and the article states that they did not identify her because of her age, nor did they identify anybody other than by their first name. This young woman said that her mother's partner had just abused her mother then gone on to abuse the girl herself. But with schools shut, turning to a teacher or counselor for help was no longer an option. These instances gleaned from the hotline first responders highlight two important facets of things that come in a time of the COVID-19 virus. First is lawmakers across the country order lockdowns to slow the spread of the virus, the lives of people stuck in physically or emotionally abusive relationships have and will become harder, which has already been seen in the pandemic hotspots in China and also in Italy. Second, the virus raises the stakes for domestic violence services across the country as they scramble to adopt to a patchwork of new government policies and restrictions that shift day to day and vary from state to state. Now we know that any time an abusive partner may be feeling a loss of power and control, and everybody's feeling a loss of power and control right now, it could greatly impact how victims and survivors are being treated in their own homes. This according to Caddy Ray Jones, who's the chief executive of the hotline. She expects to see in intensity and frequency of abuse escalate, even if the numbers don't necessarily. A pattern expert witnesses during the economic downturn in 2008 and immediately after 9-11, Hurricane Sandy and Hurricane Katrina. In the United States, more than one woman in three has experienced rape, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner, defined as a current or former spouse or partner in their lifetimes. So this according to a 2010 survey by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And in recent years, the numbers of domestic abuse cases, which include assaults by intimate partners and family members, has spiked, making up more than half of all the violent crimes in the United States in 2018. This according to the Justice Bureau. Now, spending days, weeks, and even months in the presence of an abusive partner takes an immense emotional toll. This according Teresa Burns, who manages Casa de Esperanza Shelter in St. Paul, Minnesota. And that's exactly the conditions that the coronavirus lockdown has set up. Those who may have felt safe once, with par once their partner went to work or they sent their children off to school now say that they feel like they're in basically in a cage. When the mind is constantly in a fight-or-flight-freeze mode because of peripheral fear, that can have a lasting impact on a person's mental health, Burns said. Now, one survivor, a woman named Maggie, who was 25, she spoke to the Times via Twitter and is working on trying to heal from a, uh, an aversive relationship she left five years ago, said that in week recent weeks, she... Her weekly therapy appointments moved online and her support group basically 
uh, went by the board. And so with her support group canceled, it's making it even more difficult for her to cope with her increased isolation. And as a result, Maggie has fallen back into unhealthy coping mechanisms such as drinking and smoking, she said. I imagine many survivors, even if they were safe in their homes, are experiencing long hours of sitting alone with traumatic thoughts and nightmares due to increasing anxiety, Maggie said. So, when we come back, we'll continue today's very important topic on what can we do to help the women in our families who are having problems with domestic abuse and other issues. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion on today's topic, and that is what are we doing and what must we do to protect our mothers and grandmothers, our aunts, our sisters, our female cousins, our nieces, our daughters and our granddaughters, some of whom, unbeknownst to us, are living in quiet desperation and shame in this, the most wealthy nation on the planet, as a direct result of our own sometimes intended ignorance. Now, as you know, there's been a lot of attention paid by the media to the country's lack of available toilet paper. And, you know, I've done some research on my own and found that it's not so much that there's a lack of toilet paper. It's just that there's a completely separate marketplace for the kind of toilet paper that is used in commercial settings and that we use in our homes. And, in fact, before we, many of us lost our jobs, we were using the toilet facilities in our place of business sometimes up to 60% of the time, and therefore using that particular paper product where our jobs were. Now that we're at home, we're using our own facilities 100% of the time and using our own uh, particular toilet paper 100% of the time. And because there's a separate market for each, there is not maybe enough toilet paper for us to use at home 100% of the time. But there is another set of essential paper products that's becoming increasingly hard to find as well. And there go under the nom de plume female hygiene products, such as tampons and pads. And this was reported in the New York Times by Ms. Goldberg and Donna in the April 5, 2020 edition of that newspaper. Now, according to these ladies... Um, Donna, a woman by the name of Dana Marlowe, was preparing her family for the quarantine. She was stocking up on food and school supplies when she received an unexpected phone call, which she traded a box of tampons for 36 homemade matzo balls. Her friend making the uh, request was desperate. She had scoured all the pharmacies in her neighborhood for tampons and pads, but the shelves were picked clean. 
for Marlowe, who runs the nonprofit I Support Girls, which collects donations of feminine hygiene products and bras for shelters, prisons, and people in need, the police set off alarm bells. It was clear that the pandemic, uh, panic shopping was already causing a shortage of menstrual products. Now, Marlo received over 600 emails from individuals around the country requesting donations because they couldn't find tampons or pads in their local stores. While social services workers in California, New Jersey, New York, and Washington, D.C. said they too were seeing women struggle with feminine products and the women who were hardest hit they realized were the women who had just lost their jobs and were struggling to make ends meet. While wealthy women can stockpile goods, people who live paycheck to paycheck just cannot. And this is a great line. Periods don't stop for pandemics, Marlowe said. And in a time of disaster like global pandemics, it's easy to overlook these basic essentials that folks need to preserve their dignity. Now, just as a pandemic has disrupted the work and school and social routines, so it has disrupted menstrual supply chains. Those who can't afford to hoard them have done so, leaving women who have lower incomes without supplies. For women who usually rely on free menstrual products, say from a school nurse, their avenue is now closed, and those who might normally get menstrual products from a shelter or social services centers are coming up empty as well because the demand has surged. This has left organizations scrambling to order in bulk. Now, some of you might be asking why I'm broaching the subject of women's domestic abuse and the shortage of feminine hygiene products on this show. I do so because these are topics that are very real and personal and very day-to-day issues and concern for more than half of the American populace, women and girls. But should also be a topic of equal concern for the other segment, our men and our boys. And in my opinion, just as the case with sexual harassment in the workplace, unless and until the men who know their fellow male colleagues are making the workplace a living hell for women who just want to make an honest living and take care of their families and not have to put out in order to get paid to get a paycheck or a commission or even an attorney fee award or otherwise just want to get ahead in their chosen field until our men and our boys step up and check their fellows and their colleagues who are who are doing these things, we also need our fathers and our grandfathers and our husbands and our uncles and our nephews and our sons and our grandsons to step up and do what they can to stamp out domestic abuse that they know, even if they don't want to know it, is happening amongst their fear, their sphere of influence. Also, as our, 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 our men and our boys generally have more money and have other resources that most women just don't have, they need to step up and follow the example of one of the lawyer lady groups that I belong to, 
And that is to say, pick up their phones or go online first to find a women's shelter or women's support group in their local community and then go online to Amazon or Costco or drugstore.com or walgreens.com or whoever and order a case or two of feminine hygiene products for delivery to a women's shelter of their choice in their local community. And you know what? I've done a little bit of research on this for my uh, the group of lady lawyers that I belong to, and if you live in the in the um, San Francisco Bay Area, I I, I I went online and did just that. I located and I investigated a reputable place for people to send their these donations. I went online and I found. A, a group called the Homeless Shelter for Women, which is located at 2298 San Pablo Avenue in Oakland, phone number 510-451-8923. I called and spoke with the director, who informed me, unfortunately, that due to the fact that there was the shelter-in-place order ordinance-in-place and that theirs was a drop-in shelter, uh, they could not receive uh, any um, of these products until the lockdown was lifted. However, the director referred me to St. Vincent de Paul of Alameda County, telephone number 510-638-7600. And because notwithstanding the lockdown, St. Vincent de Paul of Alameda County was sheltering folks each and every day from 6 p.m. to 8 a.m. the following morning. So I called and spoke to the director there, Jackie, and told her what my ladies group wanted to do, and she informed me that in addition to tampons and pads, their clientele also needed individual size bar soap, you know, like you'd have in a hotel because they don't want to share it and possibly contaminate each other. They also need individual size shampoo for the same reason. And they also needed adult diapers, poison depends, and they needed cot-sized disposable bed liners. Now, Jackie did not think it a good idea to drop these items off or leave them at the front door. She instead suggested to order them and have them delivered to the admin section of the charity at the following address. St. Vincent de Paul of Alameda County, admin section, Attention Wasa. That's the young lady who's the administrator there. And the address is 675 23rd Street um, in Oakland, California, and the phone number is 510-638-7600. So, I want to say that we have to help each other through this terrible season that for some reason God has placed before us, maybe as a way to see if we're really worthy of doing anything to help us get over this. What we need to do is take each person as they come, deal with them in their situation as it is, and try to help them make it through the other side, and hopefully in doing so, we can make it through collectively. That, that is the, the goal. And so... 
I, I've shared it with you before because I'm a member of the Anglican Communion. We have three pillars in our faith. We must have faith, and based on that faith, we must attempt to do good works, and most importantly, we must avail ourselves of knowledge. And by availing ourselves of the knowledge of the real world, we'll be able to take care of the first two pillars, and that's what we're talking about today. Now, with that said, I'm going to leave it there for now. But as always, in closing, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, especially when it comes to supporting our most needy brothers and sisters during this health crisis. So, till next time, take care, be safe, share what you have. And may the peace of the Lord be with you and yours until next time. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 